Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Graduate degree is from Penn State University in architecture with a special studies in historic preservation. She then began pursuing a master's in American studies at Penn State University Harrisburg while working full time as a historic preservation specialist, then as an architectural designer too with the Pennsylvania Historic and Museum Commission in Harrisburg. Uh, she became a mom and took some quality time off from her career to raise her family. And then she began to work part-time at an office and part-time from, ho- from an home office with an architectural firm in Harrisburg. For over 10 years, she was the firm's preservationist and then later an associate. In 2012, with nearly 25 years in the historic preservation field, uh, she created Gina, Dowdy, or Gina M. Dowdy, a historic preservation consulting LLC, a certified woman-owned small business to assist those who desire, need, or have a passion for historic preservation consulting services. She later completed her master's in historic preservation from the Savannah College of Art and Design and was fortunate to, enough, uh, fortunate to receive a Graduate Achievement Award as a Preservationist of the Year for her graduating class. Uh, her services include experience with historic preservation and rehabilitation projects, uh, both commercial and residential, and a working knowledge of the Secretary of Interior's standards for historic preservation. Work is provided and performed for developers, architectural and engineering firms, historical societies, preservation groups, municipalities, individual homeowners, and others who speak who seek uh, preservation, historic preservation consulting uh, for um, the federal and state historic rehabilitation tax credits, application and submissions, the PA Historic Research Survey Forms Preparation and Submissions, National Register Nominations, Rehabilitation Proposals, um, Section 106 Reviews as an Architectural Historian, Grant Writing and Historic Building Research Documentation Assessment, and General um, Design Guidance. And thank you, Gina, for, for joining us today. Thank you. And actually reading that list, I was telling you before we got started recording that there was, that we had our, our um, seminar this past weekend and um, there were somebody had asked me about how to get on the National Register and somebody else had asked about 
building research. So I, I, I have a couple people I, I will I will refer you to, <laughs> or refer to you. Um, so and then I I um, I was thinking about you know I've um, I. I think the first time that I met you, you did I was sat through a case study that you did of a project that you did for the was it the Reading High School? Yes. Yeah. And, and then and then I I yeah. And I and I just and I just love your your Christmas cards. So. <laughs> we try to be unique. Yes. Yes. So so I I'm glad that you could join us today. Uh, tell me how did you how did you get started in preservation? Um, the reason I got into architecture school okay, was yeah. for preservation. Okay. And I think since I was about 12 years old, I've always enjoyed historic buildings, particularly in the Harrisburg region. Mm -hmm. And I'd always told my parents one of these days that I would fix up the buildings that need to be fixed up in Harrisburg. So I'm glad to be doing exactly that um, in other cities as well, but mm -hmm. in Harrisburg, yeah. Very, very um, cutting edge and visionary at yes. that time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the uh, so why why did you choose preservation, um, or was it because you wanted to to help restore those buildings and that was a way to do it? I think so. Yeah. I think it was just a, a, a calling. And then as I um, like I said, I, I always tell people that I force gumped my way through this profession. As I got into architecture. Then I met people who had more preservation-minded backgrounds and um, were able to guide me and mentor me, uh, one being um, an advisor I had at Penn State, Jensen Gronendahl, who then hired me for a work-study program rather than um, going to a study abroad. Okay. So then I began working with him, learning how to um, document buildings. Um, then I got an internship with the PHMC as a summer intern with the Architecture and Conservation Department. Uh, from there, I became, uh, the following summer, a program coordinator at a historic site. So everything just started to snowball into yeah. it and meet people in the preservation uh, field. And then eventually uh, came back around to the uh, Pen Pennsylvania Historical Museum Commission as an architectural trainer for them. Okay, very good. Yeah. So where, where your role with them was that working mostly like an architect, like per, like writing um, specifications Specs and things. and drawings for, um, and for mostly for the museums and sites around okay. uh, Pennsylvania. So okay. that's what I did. Okay, very good. So tell me about your business. Um, what services do you offer? Who's your client? I know we talked about that a little bit in the mm -hmm. introduction, but you know, talk, tell us about like the types of projects you do and what, what kind of work that you do. Okay, well in March we celebrated uh, seven years of the business and it is mostly me uh, running it and then I hire a lot of uh, great independent contractors who will either help me with um, some of the assessments, help me with uh, marketing, help me with the photographs, help me from the architectural pieces. So yeah. it's, it's been kind of a seamless flow with regard to that. And uh, we are mostly, uh, our bread and butter is more the federal and state uh, tax, uh, historic tax credits for preparations okay. of those and the submissions. We do do um, national registries, uh, reviews, as well as uh, nominations and preparing all that paperwork. Uh, we love to get into the um, whether it be just deed searches and prepare that type of stuff for folks, as well as those who are asking for design work too, that we do some install additions and uh, reconfiguring of historic uh, uh, buildings, that type of thing. And each one of them has a, a different piece to uh, you know how preservation is thought of, which is through, like I said, the capital P or the, the lowercase p. Yeah. So yeah. How, however we get involved in, in the uh, dynamic of it and the guidelines that we have to follow. 
Well, and, and I, um, I think that that's a great way to look at it because when we, with the seminar that we just did this past weekend, I, the first thing I, one of the first things that I said was, you know, not every building has to be a museum, mm-hmm. but you know, they're, they're still worthy of being preserved, but they have to work for how you live and, yeah. and, and they're how you're building, you know, how, you know, as, as the building owner, you're the steward, you have to kind of guide the process. And that's true. Yeah. That <laughs> is. And not old, every yeah. old building, some old buildings are just old. Right. Um, yeah. and, um, not every old building can be saved. Um, but the ones that, that we are saving, uh, like you said, there, there's guidelines for when you're using certain tools, such yes. as grants mm-hmm. and tax credits, that you have to follow. And then there's a little bit of leeway that you have in terms of how you're, what you're considering as preservation when you're not following rules and you're doing it maybe in the private sector right. or residential. Or more like an ad- adaptive reuse adaptive or reuse, something yeah. like that. Sympathetic yeah. additions, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. So there's uh, we, we try to, to, to guide the folks as well as I think what, what I guess I call preservation sometimes is more education. It, preservation is constantly educating whether it's the client or the end user or those wanting to get into the business mm-hmm. as you know how how we go about this um, and, and whenever um, I hear folks saying about like that they want to preserve some or they want to get into this business let's say you know I always say to them uh, we are always um, like you said people that are the stewards yes we then are um, also stewards as well for them and, and we're there we're only there for them because there, there's you know some type of money involved or some type of a project for us. If, if you thought you were going to lose preservation to just fix up the old buildings, unless you're a developer or you have deep pockets, you are going to rely on a lot of other people right. who want to make this thing happen yeah. too. So That's it's true. your job as the preservationist to help guide that as well as educate them mm-hmm. as to how these um, guidelines and how these uh, um, steps all have to be followed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is that that is funny because a couple weeks ago we got a call from somebody who was like, "Oh, you get paid to do this?" I'm yeah. like, "Yes, we do." Yeah. <laughs> I know. I try not to tell too many people I would do it for free, but it's my passion. Right. However, it's nice to be paid for right. it as well. And then at the end of a busy day, it's nice to um, be exhausted just because you loved what you were doing and not from just yeah, a day to day job. Right. I agree. I agree. So. Um, so the the I guess on the tax credits, if that's the majority, of, you're working mostly with developers or people who mm-hmm. have businesses in in their older buildings. Yeah. And then, do you? Um, uh, I'm just trying to think about the other services that you discussed. The when you're doing like the the architectural work, um, is that um, do is that something that you do or is that just something that you do because you you have the skills and is that is that like your main focus or would you is that something you you want to promote i guess is what i'm asking okay um (laughs) we we, uh have a lot of folks that come by and say you know they'd like to you know mostly with preservation and that's what i like about Mm -hmm. it's not just starting from a blank lot right a building that sat there Mm -hmm. and um others came in for you know I think of a builder who built it you know, yeah. 100 years ago and stuff and what can we do to salvage that into something that's viable and usable in the community or for the for those end users right so um, we will take those on and I usually bring in an architectural uh, um, assistant okay. with me so that um, while I'm doing this they're doing the other pieces that go with it um, that you like can work well that together. I can work well yeah. together mm-hmm. or it's just um, you know the 
the younger folks are, uh, now I call them younger, but mm -hmm. the, those that, you know, be into the business coming out of schools now are like technology is just, you know, going leaps and bounds yeah. from when I had done it. The, the old maps are always the old maps. Yeah. The, the way you document and how you go for the information is always there, except maybe now there's another computer screen, mm -hmm. but, um, but how to put it all together and how to put it together in a, in a faster and in easier way for um, clients to look at is changing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always good to hear what the younger folks, especially out of architecture school and preservation schools, are contributing to that part. Oh, that's yeah. how they're learning it. Where 30 years ago when I did it, it was just, you know, pen and paper. Yeah. Or like I tell people, quill. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, we were making trips to go yeah. to all the repositories to look for things. Oh, yeah. Now, a lot of times, these things are, you know, they you can, can find them online. A lot of yeah. times we can do them online. Um, but you still have to know how to use them. Um, right. And you still have to know how to put them together. So I like to take more of the, you know, mentor role in teaching folks how to do that and then we can use their experience with the technology that comes along that, that still pretty yeah that sounds like a, a great a great sharing of information both ways mm -hmm. yeah I think that sounds like a win-win so what what do you wish that you knew um, when you started that you know now either about preservation or about your business you can you can take that however <laughs> however you want <laughs> um, I guess I think um, as I started it, uh, and I was fortunate enough with working um, to get get into the private sector after I was in the state sector, yeah. is is learning more of um, sort of how business runs, and maybe even um, not even taking into consideration you know preservation so much, right. or, and a little bit of architecture as well, but just learning how you know you know making sure you you knew how invoicing works and promotion and right. um, keeping on top of of those, uh, the businessy sort of things, mm -hmm. um, the marketing aspect yeah. for one thing, where you know you have to, you know, like I said here, and you mentioned our Christmas cards, yeah. and I have a, a wonderful friend, uh, Jamie Kalinowski, who actually lives in Colorado, but I met her here in Pennsylvania, uh -huh. and you know, the, 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 the great uh, thing about technology is we stay in touch, yeah. um, and just can, and you find good people, so you know, just send it to her, and, and she does it all of our marketing, just sort of can, you know, explain to her what my concept is, and she, you know, she has it. And, and make sure you get that marketing piece, though, to the right people. Yeah, yeah. So you have to target it. You have to target yeah. it, and you, ha and you know that, mm -hmm. you know, from your yeah. business. So I think it's just a matter of, you know, making sure you, you understand sort of how the business uh, operates and then um, gear it to the businesses of folks that, you know, besides developers, but that you have end users and how they, they're working. And I, I would think too. I mean, I know from from our from from my experiences, when you're starting, you don't realize how targeted your marketing has to be because, mm -hmm. and you kind of think, oh, the whole world needs to know this, but yeah. really, the whole no. world doesn't care. <laughs> no, and you know, for a long time, I didn't have a website, and then it was like, you know, Jamie needs a website, and right now, I still don't do Facebook or anything like yeah. that because I'm like, it's almost, you know, we're too, you know, we're very specific to who we right. are. A lot of yeah. my business is repeat clients and word of mouth right so then I you know so then the next step is you know to try not to grow so fast that you have the growing pains of that where you're putting it out there you know to too many folks that you can't accommodate it right and you have to you know try to you know keep juggling juggling yeah. you know the workload yeah so I think sometimes it's trying to find that that balance now as a certified WBP you know, my next step is to, you know, be a little more available to those 
um, if you want to go after a couple of jobs and switch right. jobs, but not be so available that all I'm doing is working on proposals and either that or if we get them, I'm scrambling around to try to find the right people. Right, right. And then, this. yeah, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, there is there is that point. And then you're, it's going to become a job for you and you're not going to like it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, di- uh, what what do you see as the biggest challenge in, in preservation? Um, I think, uh, well, there's always like the money that's not available. Right. I think is always for those people that could afford or um, how, you know, maybe, um, and it has to be strict, the guidelines to follow, you know, in terms of even like getting the money, you mm-hmm. know, the stipulations, you know, maybe you have to be a nonprofit, there's not as much out there for a profit. Right. Um, when there is, there's extra tax credits, but then they have their guidelines. So, um, but I understand why we always, you know, I always try to say to people, like it's the, those folks who are, um, policing the money, yeah. it's because they're speaking for the building. So the building might be sitting here in an, another 100 years from now, but we necessarily won't be. Right. So, um, you know, so we're, you know, we're just always, there's always advocates out there who are, you know, expressly just there for the built environment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have to respect that, you know, yes, it's your building that you bought and you can do, you know, alterations that right. you see fit. But um, there's certain pieces that, you know, if you can maintain the character or of the, the character of space or the character of what's in the material, that's, that's important. So sometimes those are, I think, challenging. And also, like I said, the education of, of folks. I, I have, you know, sometimes some folks who come around, like I said, not, you know, mean-spirited, but in the 11th hour yeah. uh, asking for stuff that needs to be done when it should have maybe been done mm, Twelve months ago, <laughs> right? Well, and in the beginning stage, and, yes. and yeah, yes. and and yeah. and you know, you do uh, you see that I'm sure in in uh, in projects, not just your front end work mm-hmm. that that you know is the front end work that needs to be done, but like you know, people who want to do the pretty stuff first, or they're you know, yeah. then they then they have to tear it all apart because they didn't do that, yeah. <laughs> or they say, forget that, we're not doing it, you know, right? We'll just do yeah. it our way, yeah. and and so that and that's fine, and and I think that you know, there's a lot of. Uh, uh, preservation out there in, in all types of ways whether people think pre- preserving is just tearing down a barn and reusing the wood right there's some form of preservation there as well um, and they have the the diehards and and the the you know the mainstream thing of you know the um, hysterical right yes. that's coming yes. on that. so. yeah and you do and and i i think that I think that those people also have a role mm-hmm. um, yes. I can think the the building that's right across from us um, that that was that was slated for demolition. Mm-hmm. The um, the the stables, but and now it's. I mean, they've made it. A, they've reused it, and it's a great space. Yeah. But when that when there were people starting to speak up about it, I'm like, well, I don't know if I would have fought that battle. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's the hill I would have wanted to right. die on. Right. <laughs> you're correct. Yeah. yeah. And there's some people who are like to specifically get into preservation to be advocates. Right. Um, I've often and said to folks, like, if I've been be called to do it, I, I try to do my part, but I didn't become a preservationist to um, preserve, you know, Independence Hall. There's, a you know, specific people for that. And I think when I first got into it probably 30 years ago, it was more of that museum type, let's yes. restore it mm-hmm. back to its original nature. But as we, you know, have more and more, um, you know, buildings that are still around from the early 1900s or 30s or what have you, I see it more now as just the rehabilitation, right. and like you said, the adaptive reuses, 
And I think I'm more geared for that type of uh, industry as opposed to maybe more of that museum quality, you know, lit restoration, you know, with the, um, uh, you know, the, the paper brush and the, you know, going into the deep, you know, history of, of something. Right. Uh, so I think you're right. There's there's all different ways. There are. There's, you know, different hills to die. <laughs> <laughs> or you pick your hill to die. Right, right. die once <laughs> So do you see any trends in preservation? Well, I, I, I think that, you know, in order to follow the trends, I follow them more like if I see that if it's more monies are being available and there's more grants out there, mm -hmm. then early on in my career I learned how to, you know, write grants, especially those that are just coming out uh. so that there can be a little bit more, um, there's a more sympathetic nature of people who are taking on for the very first time, you know, that the sort of the beta group. Yeah. Um, and then follow the trends if I see more developers saying, you know, well, I have a need for this. Then learning a little bit about those particular needs. Yeah. So I try to follow the trends in, in that respect, I think, as far as preservation goes. And then seek out those individuals who do the work such as like the, the repointing of the bricks, oh, yeah. the masons. The, um, the, the craftsmen who do, you know, the wood, yeah. you know, the plasters, um, then seek those type of individuals out, um, restoring windows, mm -hmm. rather than me having to become um, an expert in the field of that, maybe just making sure I know where to go for those for services. Those, yes. So, for, so as far as trends in that respect goes, I think it's, like I said, for the 30 years, sort of watching it go to more of a, more into the rehabilitation kind of things, mm -hmm. and how, how that works with the Mason And we try not to blend it as much as we, like I said, it's a sympathetic addition. That addition becomes history as well. Of its own, yeah. On its yeah. own, yeah. Okay, are there any things that you do to keep up with the trends, or you just kind of watch things as you're, as they're, you know, as you encounter them? Um, I read up a little bit. I, I that's the I encounter. Mm -hmm. um, I, I sort of, um, <clears throat> as I said, sometimes with the trends, it's always with, Technology, which is taking over yeah. everybody's yeah, uh, I, I was yeah, I was listening to uh, we had a woman from um, Adventures and Preservation on the podcast a few months ago, and she was talking about I don't I don't even know how they do it, but like the three D modeling, but just on mm -hmm. the computer yes. of buildings that weren't there or yeah. that aren't there anymore. And I was like, and she they're actually doing that as a vacation that you can go on later this year in Virginia. I'm like, I might want to go down and do that because I've never even seen that done. And it sounded interesting. <laughs> well, and yeah. the you know yeah. the trend, the that trend of being able to do it three D, and and like I myself don't do it, but have folks mm -hmm. who can yeah. to then explain it even more to a client to understand and get excited. Yeah, you know, I think I think no matter when you do or what you do for architecture preservation, the thing is to to you know get as excited with your clients, if not more because they're actually allowing you to do the thing you love. Right. So you start showing them how much you love their building and how much you love your pro their project and quit finding a way to show them that it makes sense to them right. and that they can trust you to yeah. hand this over and, and the, you know, the hard money that they've earned to, to make it, you know, the vision in their head come alive. Yeah. And that's architecture, but I just take it then one step further with the historic piece. Yeah. And that what we like to do is get them excited by finding historic photos because we know where to be. Oh, yes. 
And so finding the historic photos, finding who lived in their building before, finding what the building was all about. Mm -hmm. And if they've had questions of like, well, why is this photos here and not here? To be able to show them maybe sometimes, you know, the photos and, and the maps and the, the old floor plans and, and show them yeah. this is why. Right. You know, this is, you know, this is when these folks, you know, did this and why they did it. Right. And, yeah. you know, so I think that's kind of my, uh, my calling, you know, to, to, to help with that and, and to interact with the school. And connecting the, the stories mm -hmm. to the building. Because I think people do. I think people... They feel an emotional connection to the building, but then when you start layering on the people and 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 how they live, then really I think people really get that connection. I think they do. Yeah. You know, you start finding folks, you know, naming their buildings based on yes. maybe somebody who lived there or um, what it once was. Mm -hmm. So it, it's really nice to see that. And I always, you know, uh, you know, mention to folks that they can always then maybe you know, provided they've got the right, you know, copyright laws and everything that may be blowing some of these photographs up and putting them in their buildings so that people can see what yes. it was once. Yeah. And, um, or, or you can get inspiration from what it was once. Because mm -hmm. um, we're also hired by um, uh, architectural firms and, and engineers and such to have to document buildings that are going to be demolished or right. built. Yeah. And um, so th we have you know responsibility to document it, document it well. Mm -hmm. And you know maybe... Um, educate those folks who are, you know, demolishing it for, for good reasons right. sometimes that, uh, you know, hey, maybe you keep a little piece of this or there's a little bit of history that can be shared in the new space. Yes. You know, so that, you know, that we can see it. Like I said, you know, it's 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 hard to, 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 to keep it all. Yes, um, absolutely. Right. Yeah, and, and there, there was a case in, in Lancaster that when I was um, – when I was working with the Preservation Trust, they were going to all the municipalities to, to encourage them to at least put a demolition review in yeah. place in mm -hmm. the municipality. And there was a there was an older I it was I think it was seventeen hundreds, I don't know exactly, um, the date that but the, the, the people wanted to tear it down that whatever they wanted to do to the property wasn't fitting with what they wanted to do. And that was they that was the compromise that they documented that they salvage as much as they can. And I don't think anybody was really happy about it, but it was a compromise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is because yeah. if not, and somebody just comes in with a wrecking ball, and you didn't have a gut chance to document, right? That at least something be given to folks to be able to document. And yeah. then I think it, I think it keeps then developers or, or folks who it, it need to add additions. It keeps them wanting to come into your area, right? Well, and, and not yeah, away. yeah. And I'm thinking too. It also gives everybody kind of a breathing room. Like, yeah. let's step back and think about this a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. that everybody has <laughs> maybe a little bit of, of, of game to do it. Um, do you think that, or is there anything that um, sets your business apart from other preservation consultants? Uh, well, I think we're small, um, but uh, I think that's sometimes an, an advantage. I, I do. Yeah. Um, and whether it's maybe a, a cost thing mm -hmm. or just small, um, um, sometimes maybe the awards are cheap, faster, create for two, you know, <laughs> but um, maybe we can't always be, you know, as fast as, as people would need. Yeah. And if they need that, then, you know, they may come to us day or day night. So right. we, um, we try to be personable. Um, we try to have a knowledge, particularly in the central Pennsylvania area of, um, you know, historic trends so that we can jump right in there and maybe help and sort of, but, w you know, we'll do other places where we, because we love to research, yes. where we will, you know, research a little bit more of the history of, of areas, and particularly in Pennsylvania is a great area where one is suited. Um, so I think maybe just, um, you know, like 
with the CEOs that only get to talk to. And <laughs> yes. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Um, but you know who to call. <laughs> yeah. They can get a hold of me, and it, yeah. and it you know, it, if it works for them. And, and it, I think that's with any relationship, though. If, if we feel that we have a good relationship and a good rapport with some folks, we'll come out and uh, we call it just, you know, our, like a pro bono visit. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you don't charge, we don't charge to come out and look at your property, see if there's something we can do, talk to you and see what you want. Right. And put a, pro- put a proposal together and, and uh, phase it in a way that makes sense for somebody to understand as well as understand, you know, the costs that will, will come along with it. Yeah. That's one of the things that we do. But how, how could our, uh, or how should our listeners contact you? Uh, through the website, okay. uh, www.gmbhistoric.com. And I'll make sure that's on our website, too, okay. with the, with the, along with the recording. Um, phone okay. is uh, also a good way, too. And uh, email. email. Okay. Very good. And um, did you have anything that you would like to promote? for the listeners or a seminar or anything that you're doing that you well we have our um, next week we'll be at the uh, preservation of annual uh, heritage uh, uh, conference on heritage in Chambersburg Mass Springs where they'll be presenting um, a session in fact we'll be doing it's called No Norm Dorm how to use uh, historic buildings as student housing which is one right next door to us here at the Pennsylvania College of Art and Design that we did some work on as part of the tax credit and um, what else do I have? I have a good one up here. Just uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to think a little bit. Just yeah. we're, we're out there a lot. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, okay. Well, that's. Uh, do you have your calendar on your website or? Well, we don't. Okay. We just sort okay. of. Um, we. I think we're looking to maybe put out a little bit of a, a mailer at the end of the year to sort of say what we've kind of been doing, what yeah. we've done. Uh, you know, over the last uh, seven years. I don't really do one of those blog things because yeah. just the, you know it's always um i know how frustrated i get when i get on a website and it hasn't been updated that right like, <laughs> just doing this. Yeah. so uh, i think uh more of that and just kind of just throwing a lot of uh, good work out there okay well very good well thank you thank you thank for you. joining us today Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.